From books, statues, even movies and television series, we have a fascination with angels. But there is someone much better than an angel, as we'll see next on Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. To be sure, we have an unusual fascination with angels, yet in our society, it's not an angel that we need. Rather, it's the one who created them, Jesus himself. And as we are continuing our series in Hebrews, we're finding out that Jesus is best. He he is better than angels. This is Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard, the ministry of Valley Bible Church here in Hercules. Welcome to the program. We're in Hebrews chapter 1 taking a look at why Jesus is best and better than angels. Here's Pastor Phil Howard now with today's program. Turn to Hebrews chapter 1. Jesus is better than angels. Uh, The writer of Hebrews is taking on everything that people have tried to say was better than Jesus. He's going to take on the Aaronic priesthood. He's going to take on Old Covenant. And the whole book is going to show us why Jesus is best. There are no superlatives beyond him. And he picks up the subject in chapter 1. He's greater than the prophets. And he describes that and tells you why in the first three verses. In verse 4, he mentions the fact that he is superior to angels having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. Then he begins, and he gives at least five, he uses about ten verses, but I group them five different comparisons why he's greater. Watch. For to which of the angels did God ever say, you are my son? Today I have begotten you. Or again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. And again, when he brings the firstborn into the world, he says, Let all God's angels worship him. Of the angels, he says, he makes his angels winds and his ministers a flame of fire. But of the son, he says, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. And you, Lord, laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning. And the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment. Like a robe, you will roll them up. Like a garment, they will be changed. But you are the same, and your years will have no end. And to which of the angels has he ever said, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation? And he goes on in chapter 2, 1 through 4, 
and he wraps up why he is greater than angels and how we will be held accountable to be responsive to him. Let's uh, say just a few things about angels. Angels were being worshipped in the first century. Colossians, he tells believers there, stop worshipping angels. Uh, There was a philosophy among Gnostics, an early heresy that the book of Colossians deal with, that said God was too holy to come in contact with human beings. So what he did, he spun off a series of lesser beings, angels, other gods. Even Christ was included. Because they said a pure God cannot come in contact with impure mankind. They said that a body is evil. Material is evil. So they had this whole pantheon of gods that went down, down, and down until you can get a subordinate God or being that can come in contact with us. And many made Christ that lesser being. Uh, There's a controversy in church history called the Arian controversy that Christ was spun off, that he is a created being, a lesser being than the true God. And so he's coming and he's dealing with this. Christ is greater than angels. He's worthy of more honor than we ever give to angels. I was reading a commentator by the name of Guthrie, and he said he and his wife went to a bookstore drinking coffee. Uh, It was like a Barnes & Noble situation where they had all kinds of uh, books. And he said, out of curiosity, he wanted to see what was on the bookshelf that dealt with the subject of angels. He said he was amazed to find 85 titles dealing with angels. Uh, Some of you might be reading them. Uh, Ask Your Angel. That's one of them. Angelic Voices. There you go. Angelic Healing. Angel Magic. These are some of the titles. Autobiography of an Angel. Isn't that interesting? An angel wrote a book. Meditating with the angels. And then, of course, TV, touched by an angel. I've met a lot of folks that are touched. But I'm not sure of who touched them. Uh, They've got a magazine called Angel Times. Uh, And it's recounting the numerous modern attacks with angels. New Age uh, is full of angelic worship and wonder. And let's talk about angels. Where did they come from? They were created directly by God. They are not a race. They're not procreated. They were individually created by God. There are millions upon millions of spirit beings called angels. They have intellect. They have will. Uh, I assume they have emotion. Uh, they are able to travel at incredible speed. They can assume a body, like in Genesis 18. They show up to Abraham, appearing in a body. Uh, now, what's interesting, out of all, in this order of spirit beings, there's ranks. There's archangels, which means chief angel. Michael, Gabriel, 
We see angels that are overseeing countries in Daniel, overcoming region, uh, actually overseeing particular regions. And you read that in Daniel 7, Daniel 9, Daniel 11. Uh, notice there is one called the anointed cherub. Notice that. If I put I am cherubim, the I am in the Hebrew is plural. Isaiah saw seraphim, and there's cherubim, spirit beings. But this category, the anointed cherub, is only one of its kind, singular. And according to Isaiah 14, Ezekiel 28, Revelation 12, this anointed cherub was called Lucifer, the son of the morning. The most, uh, the highest order, the highest rank among angels, that even when Michael and Satan got in a battle over the body of Moses, whatever, I don't know what the whole battle, I think Satan wanted to uh, maybe get them into idolatry, maybe to worship the body of Moses. But according to Jude, Michael and Satan engaged in warfare over the body of Moses. And Michael knew he was outranked and outpowered, so he said, not even Michael tried to wrestle with Satan, but said, the Lord rebuked thee. You remember that? Jude 9. He, he acknowledged the ranking, thrones, dominions, principalities, powers, seraphim, cherubim, one anointed. Now, according to Isaiah, this anointed one who was the head over all spirit beings, he said he covered the entrance to the throne of God. He was kind of like uh, uh, the chief of staff, as it were, for other spirit beings getting access to God. But according to Ezekiel, he trafficked. He uses that word traffic, kind of weird in King James. The idea is he began selling. He began merchandising. And what he began to merchandise was this idea, I ought to be able to get a promotion. I ought to be able to go up. I will put my throne above the throne of God. I will ascend. I will. I will. I want to go up. And he convinced one-third of the spirit world that he should. You see, the first sin wasn't selling cocaine, and it wasn't selling women. It was selling yourself, that you ought to run things, that you deserve a promotion, that you ought to go up. And one-third of the spirit world said, that sounds right. You should. And they followed Satan, and God cast them down. And in Scripture, we don't have time to develop it. There's five times they're cast down in Scripture five steps down, trying, he said, five times I want to go up. God has five steps of putting him down until he winds up in the lake of fire, cast him out of heaven, locked him into the air. It's going to cast him to the earth in the tribulation, eventually bind him for a thousand years, and finally put him in the lake of fire forever. When you want to go above God, you're going to go down. So spirit beings are all over. Uh, according to Ephesians 3.10, spirit beings are probably in attendance in this service. He said in Ephesians that they observe the church 
to see the manifold grace of God. Spirit beings are in this room. I, I don't know how many fallen spirit beings might be here, but I do think they go to church. In Revelation, they had a synagogue that demons controlled. The synagogue of Satan. The devil's always in the religion business. You'll find more devil connected with religion than you will with a brothel. If there was no devil, men would go to brothels. Because sin nature. Did you know if you bind the devil for a thousand years, people will still lust, kill, and murder. They do it for a thousand years during the tribulation. They still break out. They still war without the devil. You by yourself are a mess. We are incorrigible people apart from God. They will even raise their head against Christ during his thousand-year reign and rebel, and he has to put them down, and there's no devil to contend with. You're the biggest devil you have to deal with. Some folks, you know, like Flip Wilson, the devil made me do it. No, you did it. You did it. I grew up with folks. We had a devil behind every bush. We had a tobacco demon. We had an alcohol demon. We had a wife demon. We had, you know, we had money demon. We had demons for everything. No, I'm the demon. Me. The lust of the flesh. If there were no devil, you'd need all the help you can get. Now, I don't want to mess with you too much. That's depressing. Let us see why he wrote Hebrews 1. We're going to see five things. He, we're going to group some ver- these verses he puts together, taken from Psalms, Deuteronomy, and 2 Samuel 7. And going to see five things in which he says, Jesus Christ is superior to angels. The first thing he says, Jesus is greater than angels, for he is called the Son of God. Notice there, you are my son. Today I have begotten you, Psalms 2-7. I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son, 2 Samuel 7, 14. He said this of a Davidic heir. It wasn't Solomon, for sure. Solomon forfeited this blessing, but it looks to an heir from David's loins, the Messiah. You will be called a son. Now let me talk to you a little bit about the term son. The term son is used of angels as a group. Job said the sons of God sang. As a group, angels were called sons, direct, directly created by God. Israel was called God's son that he called out of Egypt. So the nation was given that title, a firstborn son. And then uh, you have us when we are born again into the family of God. He calls us sons, which means adult treated. You'll be treated like adult sons. You're given status in the family of God. But when it speaks of Christ, he's called the only begotten. Now, when we hear the word begotten, we think of procreation. But here's the word, monogenes. Only one of, only kind, only, that word mono. And genes is a genre, category, class. He said, he is the only one of its kind of son. He is in the only class there is of this kind of son. So when God calls him son, how long has that been? From eternity. But it was revealed in time in his incarnation. He made it revealed. 
It was revealed and declared at his resurrection in Romans 1, 4, that God wanted everyone to know, this is my beloved son. Uh, we are in a filial family affection. I love him. Uh, we can't even compare him more than any dad ever loved a son. This has been my beloved son from eternity. He's a son. Angels are servants. He's eternal creator. Angels are creatures. And when you say he's a son of God, how are you thinking? Occidentally or orientally? Occidentally, we always think of chronology, procreation. But when they used it orientally, if I said you were the son of, many times, son of Belial, they called Christ the son of Belial, right? What did they mean? That Satan fathered him? Or basically, you share the nature of Belial. If I was to use street language, and not to be graphic or vulgar, if I use the term, you call a guy a son of a, and if it's a perverse woman, a bad woman, what we're trying to do is, you got the character of your mama. You, you share her nature. They don't even know your mama, but if they think you're bad, they're going to call you the son of something bad. And so when Jesus said in John 5, 17, God is my father, the Jews who understood the language, they picked up stones to stone him because he called God his father, making himself equal. Now, Jesus could have said, no, 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 you misunderstood. Put the stones down. You misunderstood. Instead, he goes on to say, oh, you understand completely. Let me tell you something. The Father's always existed. So have I. Uh, the Father can resurrect. So can I. Matter of fact, the Father's not even going to judge. I'm going to judge. I am God. See, this sermon get me killed by a Muslim audience, and get me thrown out of the synagogue in a Jewish audience. This is Christianity. We, Christianity isn't how you feel, and you know all the songs. It's who is Jesus Christ, first of all. This is what Christianity is. Have all the other stuff you want. Oh, I love that. So I love. Who is Jesus? And are you treating him like who he is? It's what he's telling the Hebrews. First of all, he's called son of God. The spirit world, angels are called creatures of God, never sons. Then he goes on, again when he brings the firstborn into the world, he says, let all God's angels worship him. Of the angels, he says, he makes his angels winds and his ministers a flame of fire. Number two, he is to be worshipped. Angels are never to be worshipped. Now, uh, here, watch out for the cults. They love to take this term firstborn, firstborn, and they turn it into uh, chronological. It is used 130 times in the Old Testament of the firstborn son, physically, first, firstborn animal. So it is used of chronology. But it is also used as a term to designate preeminent position. Uh, to give you an example, let me ask you some Bible questions. Uh, who was the first son of Abraham by Hagar? 
Who? How many say Ishmael? How many say Isaac? Good. Ishmael. You remember? Sarah wanted to help out God. Have you ever done that? Yeah. Ooh, you're going to help fulfill the promise? Oh, let's just bring Hagar in the bedroom tonight. We can fulfill God's plan. Yeah, well, you're still fighting with all the descendants of Ishmael right now. It's never ended. Helping God out. Well, his firstborn son who got an inheritance, who was blessed by Abraham, was Ishmael. But according to Hebrews 11, Isaac, he called his firstborn. Not first in order of time, but he is highest favored. He gets the bulk of the inheritance. He is the preeminent one. He's the head of the table. And this word firstborn, which we use in Scripture in Colossians, he's firstborn of all creation. You know why? He's creator. He's in the highest rank in relation to all creation because he created all creation. Not he's the first one born. The cults love to tell you he's the first one to begin. No, 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 no. He has the highest rank. He is of the highest position. He, it's used that way all the time in Scripture. So he sends the firstborn into the world, and he tells angels to do this. Worship him. Never did he tell us to worship any spirit being. When you're told to worship someone, he has to be God the Father, God the Son, or God the Spirit. See, we worship a triune God with different roles, compound unity, one God, three persons. You know that, don't you? One, he's one in nature, essence, but there's three distinct persons. So, he's to be worshiped, they're not. Thirdly, he goes on to say, but of the Son, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. Of the Son, he says, your throne, O oh God. Does he call the Son God? Look at uh, Romans 9, 5. Romans 9, 5. Speaking of Israel and all their privileges, to them belong the patriarchs, and from their race, according to the flesh, is the Christ, who is a good teacher a nice man, a lesson God, anathema, who is God? Can I hear you out there? Is he? Is he God? He's said to be God. C.S. Lewis made the famous statement, he's either God or he's a liar, a lunatic, or he's Lord. How can you be a nice man and lie about your identity? Now, you know why people don't call him Lord? They don't have the Holy Spirit. Nobody's got the Holy Spirit that doesn't call him Lord. 1 Corinthians 12. No man can call him Lord except by the Holy Spirit. 
And that brings us to the end of our time today here on Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Closing out our program, I'd like to leave you with our contact information, especially in light of the fact that this is a listener-supported ministry. And as you contact us, not only with prayer support, but financial support as well, we're able to continue the ministry, not just on Sundays, but Monday through Friday as well here on KFAX. Please prayerfully consider that as you contact us today with your gift, 855 855- 833-9864 is our phone number. Again, that's 855-833-9864. Or write to us at 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278, Hercules, California. The zip code is 94547. And another way to contact us, probably the easiest, is through our website, valleybible.org. It's there that you can even take advantage of our secure online donations. You can also take advantage of the many resource materials we have available for your growth and walk in Christ. Again, valleybible.org. It's there that we also have a bit more information about who we are and what we believe and directions if you would like to join us for worship. Service times are at 9 and 11 this morning, and we'd love to see you face-to-face. And don't forget, as you partner with us financially and become a TFT sustainer, you'll receive a quarterly newsletter, a -a once-a-year special gift, along with access to Take a Break, which is the weekly devotional video by Pastor Phil. Find out more at valleybible.org or call 855-833-9864. And then come back and join us next time for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard.